Welcome back to Sacred Arts Channel, where we discuss a variety of topics from the sacred to the practical. Today, we have a familiar face joining us. She was a guest on Beyond Meditation podcast, Rosa Shetty, a licensed mental health therapist from California. Rosa intertwines inner child healing, ancestral generational healing, and spirituality with the latest research-based trauma therapy approaches. Rosa has over 15 years of clinical experience helping humans heal from childhood trauma and intergenerational wounds. Welcome back, Rosa. Thank you. Thank you, Jess, for having me. It is such an honor to be back here with you. Yes, of course. I'm really excited to dive into our topic today. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about soulful sessions, bridging, spirituality, and psychotherapy. And I'm really curious to know how does spirituality inform your practice as a psychotherapist and what roles does it play in the healing process for your clients? Yeah, so I I definitely have to say that it has evolved in terms of the role that it plays in the work that I do with with clients. I would say that at the beginning of my career, um, there's always been a question in in our, when we do an assessment or initial assessment about religious background. So there's, there's, that question has always been asked. However, it was, I don't think it, it began to inform my practice until I would say the last five to seven years, maybe seven to five years, um, if, if, if even that. I, I think that um, the concept of religion was what was more ingrained when it, when it, when it came to school and, and training to become a therapist and you know, cultural awareness in that sense. But spirituality is so, so much bigger than that and so much broader. And I think that as as I've evolved and matured as a therapist, I've learned not just um, through the work that I do with clients, but in my own personal experience, I've learned how powerful it is in, to to someone's healing journey. Um, and it doesn't have to be from a religious perspective. Um, you know, in my own personal practice, my awakening or the way I came across my own spirituality was through yoga. Uh, I've been, I grew up in a, in a very Christian home. And so I, I was involved in church my entire life. However, I was not, I, I, I was religious, um, but because of the fa- family that I was in, but I was not spiritual. And it wasn't until I went through a very difficult experience in my life that I, I needed to find more. I needed to find more tools and, and resources. And I thought that's all I was looking, but um, I came across yoga and through yoga, specifically breath work and meditation and connecting with my body through that process, I was able to expand on my concept of spirituality. And since then, um, I've involved, I've included that. And not so much, um, it, it happens when it comes in to working with, with folks in, in therapy, it, it is, I mean, it's not something that is set apart from the, the therapy process. It is part of what we do. It's ingrained in, in the work that we do, whether it is um, a direct, uh, direct, I would say, training or direct um, discussion about meditation. Um, and and folks sometimes don't see meditation as a spiritual practice, but it can be both. It can be a mental skill, a cognitive practice that you do to calm your mind, your brain, but it can also take you to different realms. So I found that um, at the very basic level, um, when it comes to psychotherapy, um, we talk about meditation we talk about mindfulness and we talk about connecting with the body that's you know that's across the board you know all therapists we we do this we do this because we know it works there's evidence um evidence to support these practices now for some folks when we start a discussion about meditation or taking in deep breaths that brings their own um basically it opens the door for their own um 
their their own awareness of where they're at on, in their journey. Sometimes that opens the door for them to share where they're at in their spiritual practice. And sometimes it's completely new or they've never thought about it in that way. Um, and they realize, well, actually, prayer is a form of meditation. So they start connecting and building on their own spiritual foundation, what they come in already with. So I, I would say it's just strengthens. And if it doesn't strengthen, maybe it wasn't there before, it enhances um, the therapy, that the therapeutic process that, that we have. That is incredible. As you, as you were describing how you integrate this into your practice, I was thinking about how um, when I look, as I get deeper and deeper into my own spirituality, I start to recognize a lot of the foundations in psychology. Do you find that yourself as well? Like when you talk about shadow work, like ah, Carl Jung, right? When you talk right. about meditation, that can be very like mindfulness, mindfulness therapy. Like there's so many concepts in therapy. And even in the book that we last read, um, Women Who Blow in the Dark, mm -hmm. she talks about how a lot of the curanderismo you know, is a lot like talk therapy and vice versa. I think like curanderismo, I think is a lot older than psychotherapy, but a lot right. of the foundations of psychotherapy is founded and grounded in science because everything that we've studied from a psychological lens, like that is good for the heart, that's good for the mind, for the psychology is grounded in a lot of these spiritual practices. I find that so fascinating. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think um, that you mentioned that book, um, Women Who Glows in the, in the Sun, it, it is, you know, and she talks about this, you know, indigenous practices have been incorporating spirituality in their everyday life. And when someone was going through a difficult experience, the community would get together and help this person through ritual, through ceremony, through the elements, through the earth, um, through heart-to-heart platicas and conversation. So these are what we're talking now in regards to psychotherapy practice. These are indigenous practices that do not get the recognition in the field of psychotherapy. You know, we have founding fathers, you know, so we talk about patriarchy and, and colonialism, the impact that it has had in our psychotherapy, um, or just, I wouldn't even say psychotherapy, just in the healing work that we offer others um, and it is ingrained in everything we do and we've been conditioned here as therapists to use evidence-based practices in in our in our in our clinic or in our in our practice um, you know just for just to be even for billing purposes if, if we take insurances or if you work for for an organization there, there needs to be evidence to support the interventions that you use to treat your your clients. So, um, so, but when we really look at, like you said, when we read certain books and we understand um, the history of colonialism and what has, how much has been taken from our indigenous cultures and basically rebranded as evidence based, or uh, I wouldn't, even, I mean. I would even go further than that. Just um, when you think of, uh, you know, there's a, there's a, you know, I'm not going to say names, but there's a, a current practice that is very, very popular, that it's all about meditation. It has quote unquote evidence to support it. Um, there's a wait list of, I mean, I've been on that wait list to get trained. I, I would say two years. I have not been called for training with this model. There's a lottery system. I've read books and I've read about it and I, I know about it. I haven't been, you know, trained or certified. Um, and the, the, the fascinating thing about it is that it is all indigenous healing modalities. Um, it is all meditation, ancestral work. Um, this specific therapy approach talks about uh uh, legacy burdens. That is um, a word that represents things that we carry within ourselves that don't belong to us, that belong to our ancestors. And it, it goes through this whole protocol to unburden someone basically is, is going through the steep meditation, like a journey, which sounds very shamanic also. And so when we really 
look into a lot of these models, that's what we find. So this particular one is a, is a newer one, but this has been going on since the, since the time of Freud. However, um, you know, it's just, it hasn't been, it hasn't been acknowledged, but it's, it's always been there. Yeah, absolutely. I love your holistic approach and the deeper, the deeper and deeper you get into your own spirituality, how are you seeing that kind of play out in the therapeutic setting? How is, does that help your clients as well? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. So a lot of the folks that I, that I see um, already come in um, wanting a more holistic approach, wanting a more integrated approach, an approach that involves not just their their mind or the 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 trauma that they experience from a psychological perspective, but also working with the body, with the spirit, with with the soul. And those are, these are words that I would say when I started in in this field fifteen years ago. These are words that I did not use per se, and I did not hear. Um, clients talking about when they first seek out uh, mental health treatment. But now there is that shift that is happening and folks are looking for that. And, and they use these words, you know, it, um, I, I had folks call me seeking therapy saying, I want someone that can connect that that can connect or uh, involve the soul that involve my heart my spirit not just what happened to me as a child I want to know I want to know what, how it impacted everything about me and a spiritual level these are this was just recent and these are things that I would never or, or at least inquiries you know that I would never receive uh, 15 years ago but it's happening now and I think there is a collective shift of awareness and there's a remembrance and I, I, I think it is I think this is what we need because we are not just the mind you know we're the mind the body the soul the spirit and and we are we're not just a piece of you know, when we're treating someone, we can't just treat a piece. We're not in isolation. And, you know, our trauma doesn't happen in isolation. It happens to the whole of us. And um, and I'm just so happy to see that remembrance. Little by little, it, it is shifting. Mm, I love that. I think you're right. About a year and a half ago, I started seeing more and more therapists coming in to get Reiki training. And I would inquire, like, how are you going to use this in your practice? Because the whole reason why I didn't get licensed is because I didn't want to get judged and I didn't want to lose my license for having these other practices. But I'm so elated and so happy to see a lot of this being integrated as somatic practices and as ways, other holistic ways to treat um, patients that are seeking traditional therapy. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think uh, energy healing specifically has a very important, um, it has a very important place when it comes to healing. And I think it is getting the recognition, the more and more of the, the recognition that it deserves, um, not as, um, you know, um, quote unquote, woo woo, you know, um, right. modality that it used to be, but now it's, it, it it's, been um it's, it's being accepted more and more as as a critical or integral part of of the healing process yeah and i mean i think we also see it in uh the the therapy world the psychotherapy world right where i mean i feel like when i was in school 10 15 years ago studying this stuff it was still considered very well mm. in the 90s and the 80s like mm -hmm. you're seeing a therapist you must be crazy right and now it's there's so much more acceptance there's so much focus on the mental health and now we're taking it a deep uh, you know, a step deeper and really focusing on the heart and people asking like, Hey, can, can we talk about the soul? Can we talk about these things that I'm experiencing within myself, which is so amazing. Very incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, even when you talk about heart resonance, you mentioned the heart, I mean, that's real, right? That that's not you know, and these are things that have been written about that ha the literature has been out there. It just hasn't been um, as widely known or ex or maybe accepted um, recognized. But I think I, I think things are changing in, in a positive way. And I think it's just going to open the door to a lot more modalities, um, you know, a lot more approaches that we have more than what we have now. 
hundred percent. I I feel that as well. I want to talk a little bit about the concept of a dark night of the soul or a spiritual crisis. How do you guide clients through these deeply transformative yet very challenging and painful phases? Yeah. So you know, this is a it's an interesting question. When um. When, and I'm going to go back a little bit to when I graduated from school, I, I was very young. Um, and when I started working and getting my license uh, towards becoming a therapist, I was, I was in my early 20s. And, uh, and I remember the professors used to say, well, you know, you have the training. And because I would feel very, I would, I mean, I, would, I looked very young. I was young. And I didn't feel like I had um, enough life experience. And, um, and the professor would be like, no, you know, you've done the training, you have the training, you have the knowledge, you, you're prepared, right? Um, but I can tell you this, it wasn't until I had my own spiritual awakening, my own dark night of the soul, that I was able to fully understand and be um, in it when it when it came to having these conversations with someone that was going through a very, very difficult, dark time in their life. Um, and it, it and that is what gave me the understanding, not just the book understanding, but the my, my heart and body, I know what that feels like because I went through that. And when we're having these difficult conversations in therapy about it, there it's something that you can con empathy in and it of itself, it's not something that you can convey with words. Empathy is this understanding what someone is going through. Um, and, putting yourselves in their shoes, not as yourself, but as how they're experiencing as them as themselves. And that deep understanding of what someone's going through, when it comes to this concept of, of shadow work and, and navigating a difficult time, I think life experience really, really helps folks feel heard, validated, uh, and understood and at the end of the day when you're going through a difficult experience that's what we're looking for we're looking to feel heard validated and for someone to to get us to get understand what we're going through in that moment and 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 like i said empathy is is an a very uh, i would say it's an emotion that is felt beyond words it's an energetic mm -hmm. um, emotion that is very very needed I would, I mean, it is critical to have in, in the therapy room. And yes, we can feel empathy for, um, without having to go through it. But when it comes to something like, like what you describe a dark night of the soul and navigating these difficult times, I, in my own experience, I could see how I was before and I could see how it changed me in, in as a therapist after and it was, I, I think, I think it was more in that, uh, that deep understanding of, of that pain and, and that discomfort and, and, and sitting with that as you navigate a, a difficult time. Mm, that's beautiful. I absolutely agree with you in the sense that empathy is not something you can convey through words. It is an energetic thing. And it's also a beautiful thing when you get empathy because you don't feel alone. You feel like someone actually sees you, hears you, and literally understands what you, you're going through. Um, so that is, it's so important to have between a therapist and a, and a client, which is why I always tell people, you kind of have to shop around a little bit, you know, do the interviews yeah. with the therapist and, mm. you know, it's not that you have to have parallel lives or the same experiences, but you have mm -hmm. to at least be able to connect yeah. with them on some level. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, for a lot of folks that are going through that, that, that time of just a very a lot of difficulty, anxiety, maybe getting, um, triggers of past traumas having that um, that dark night of the soul can also bring in a lot of elements that may not even feel from this world you know a lot of times folk experience um, um, very uh, vivid nightmares um, sometimes uh, that feel so real that they wake up and they're like oh my god is someone is there an intruder in my house because maybe that you know they were 
having a nightmare of somebody breaking into their house and or they or they hear noises or they hear things or they see you know they they may even see things um for some folks um they describe sleep paralysis a lot that tends to happen um and with sleep paralysis um even though it is a, a medical you know condition um folks that that I've uh, that I've helped describe a sleep paralysis as um as a as a supernatural experience mm -hmm. um they mm -hmm. describe seeing shadows they describe seeing themselves um like floating above them um, you know you know they see themselves in bed for example or sleeping on the couch and they're outside their body so there's a lot of these um experiences that feel very um very much out of this world and um i'm because I've experienced that when I was going through a very difficult time, um, I think it helps to not jump right away into a different um, conclusion. You know, this these intense um, sensory experiences happen when you're going through a very, very difficult time. Yeah, absolutely. It's and so even without any substances, I mean, it happens yeah. for folks, yeah. Yeah, I used to get sleep paralysis or um I used to call it something something different before, but basically when you said, you know, it is a medical condition, in my mind I was like, no, it's not. It's spiritual because um and I know it's a medical condition. I, I do know. Yeah, no, yeah, no, that's what I meant. Yeah, it is quote unquote medical, but it's also a deeply spiritual process it that is. we navigate. Yeah. It is because growing up, I would always get it, um, you know, since I was like probably seven till I was probably about 22, 23. And one of the things my grandma taught me was like, when you feel this, like, because sleep for me, sleep paralysis was like something was hovering over me trying to get in my body type of thing. And I couldn't move. I couldn't open my eyes. And I am somebody that kind of sleeps with my eyes half open. It's kind of weird and creepy, but it's how I sleep. So one time mm -hmm. I was able to kind of see the mirror because um, I was lying on my side. I could see the mirror and I could actually see something floating over me. But when my grandma taught me, and it's a spiritual thing, right? I know that mentally it's a medical condition, but um, because I'm so ingrained in my culture, what she used to teach me is, you say Sagrado Corazón de Jesús en vos confío three times. And sure enough, Rosa, anytime I would say that, it would go away. Like mm. nothing happened. And so anytime I feel this deep-seated fear or something happening sp spiritual-wise, I say those words and it's gone. So I share that story because, mm. I don't know, I was just called to share it. But No, I think it's part of it. Yeah, it's it's definitely part of it. And I can relate to what you just shared because um, same thing. I, I mean, going through a difficult – and this happened for me personally, anytime I'm going through a difficult time, th this these things happen where I start um, having sleep paralysis um, and, and just supernatural things that, that, that I can't – I'm sure maybe there is a logical explanation, but because I'm in this – stress um you know mode I, I i don't find a logical explanation at that time but i also learned to uh to do um our dear father prayer in psalms 23 this is what i learned when i was a kid you know my mom taught me you know when anytime you feel scared at night or in the dark say psalms 23 or father nuestro so and like you when i was going when in moments like that i I, I'm sleeping, but I'm not, you know, you're in this weird in-between state. I find myself saying these, either Psalms 23 or Padre Nuestro. And, and that's how I'm able to wake up. So when I, when, when, when my clients share these experiences with me, I usually uh, have them think of, a, I don't tell them which, you know, prayer or um, uh, Bible, Bible verse to say, but I usually have them come up with, 
with a, a mantra. Um, it can be a prayer. It can be something from the Bible if they believe in that. But it, to write down something that can help them when they're navigating a very dark experience, um, whether it's in their sleep or what. Or sometimes when you're, you know, sometimes other people, you know, can trigger very dark uh, thoughts and experiences. So. So this is um, this is something that I, when it comes to a spiritual practice, this is this is this is a, a very important one because it happens. You know, these this in between states of, of consciousness can be very scary, especially when you're already not in a good place in your life. Yep, totally agree. I'm really curious to know how do you see women's spiritual experiences and challenges as distinct or unique in your practice? And are there any patterns or themes that frequently arise for women? For women? You know, I found that women, I mean, I primarily work with women. Uh, I don't have a lot of experience and this is by choice um, for most of my career. I mean, initially I would see everyone and, you know, different points in my life, I would see, you know, whoever I get. But um, in the last few years, I've specialized to work with women primarily. And I love working with women because in general, I think women tend to be a lot more open to different ideas and beliefs. Women tend to be more open to trying new things, new interventions to connect with the body. Uh, and, and I'm sure men do too, but I don't work with, with men. Um, and especially since, since, since I've incorporated more of these spiritual practices, I found that women uh, are just so open to trying whatever it is, whether it's meditation, whether it's inner child work, whether it is um, ancestral work, uh, they, they seem to be a lot more open. And, and, and again, it could be, it could just be the, the women that I work with because there is you know, a certain demographic, I would say that that is, uh, that is open to, to working with me. But that's what I found. I found that for a lot of women, there is this kind of what we were saying um, earlier, there is this remembrance, you know, I've had so many, so many of my clients say, uh, you know, since we've been talking about this, or, you know, sometimes I, I give um, specific book recommendations, I realized that my grandma used to do X, Y, and Z, or I've, I've se- I realized that uh, my mom used to go to this temple when I was in, and I forgot, you know, I forgot about that. And now I'm asking for what was going on at that temple or what was this group about or these, this gathering that you take me. So there is, um, this openness, which then leads to a remembrance of their own lineage, their own medicine that is already running through through their line, through their through their lineage. I love that. It sounds like the theme or what you're calling in, probably with your own energy, are women that are wanting to remember, are wanting to go deeper into healing those generational wounds and to expand them, their own consciousness. And that's, I think that's so beautiful. I always find that when we open ourselves up and when we're healing ourselves, those that we're treating or those that are in our relations, right, tend to also be working on similar things or are ready to work on the things that we've already healed ourselves as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel that, you know, it's, it, it also becomes a ripple effect. You know, the, the, when we heal, we inevitably influence those around us, our sisters, our mothers, um, and that, that effect, that affects them in, in their own process and their own journey for healing as well. And they may, it may not look like your journey, but they're, they're also, they're also waking up and remembering mm-hmm. through our own experience and what we share. Yeah. I love that. I also love how it works when you're ready and you open up your heart and you're you're like looking for the answers, you get presented with opportunities to learn about whatever it is you're ready to move forward on. So that's that's really amazing. Um yes, I'm absolutely. curious. Um sorry. I'm curious to know um have any of your clients past present um, have they ever reported any mystical or transcendental experiences? How do you approach these in therapy, especially in discerning, 
you know, the psychological implications. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so interesting. Um, I was sharing with a friend a little bit ago, um, and this is something that there's actually a book about this, but um, when I I practice EMDR, and that's primarily what I do um, for trauma healing. And EMDR, essentially, we, we're working with the brain and processing areas, um, experiences that, are, that the brain has not been able to integrate, mostly very traumatic experiences. Our brains are actually not designed, our mind, our body, our sensory, our nervous system is not designed to experience overwhelming traumatic experiences it's not it's not wired for that so when something does happen that completely overwhelms our capacity to cope um, which is what trauma is um, our brain doesn't quite know what to do with it so it almost creates like a bubble and it just kind of leaves it there floating around imagine like a book that falls from the bookshelf and it's just kind of there and it, it has not been put back it has not been integrated our brain doesn't know what to do with with what has happened that's that's trauma so when it comes to EMDR, it's a way to process trauma, but it can also be uh, in a way uh, a bit of a hyp- hypnosis, especially because we're doing bilateral movement um, traditionally, and there's different ways of doing it. But traditionally, you do um, your when, when we're doing EMDR, um, your eyes are moving from side uh, from one side to the next. We're doing you know bilateral. Uh, movement with our eyes and 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 there's a, it's a series of steps but essentially that's what it is what i found is that after some time of working with someone it could be i mean i, I would say maybe even a year or two so definitely when there's been some progress when things have moved along i've noticed that some patients are able to go into a deep hypnosis hypnosis and what has happened is that they um as we're I mean, hypnosis, I don't want to say they're, they're, they're aware and we're talking, we're con- we continue to have an interaction. And in that, in that interaction, some of the uh, folks that I work with um, have seen in their mind's eye a deceased loved one, um, or they felt their love in that moment. And it is something that uh, has happened a couple of times. It doesn't mean that they see the the. Uh, love the deceased loved one in the room um th- they see it in their they see them in their mind's eye but what happens that i found fascinating is that they experience um a sense of, re- of somatic remembrance like it feels to them like they're like they're there but they're not you know so it's um it's a it's an interesting thing that has happened not too too often but it has happened and we when the first time it happened it was more um there is we there is a protocol with an emdr that that helps you that helps your brain integrate uh, what we call a safe person and 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 we work through that and a lot of times folks say well i want to that my safe person was my dad you know he passed away um and and they work and we work with that 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 is a direct um work you know a direct intervention that we do however these experiences that folks have said um happen when we're navigate or working through other things and that have been maybe things that they were stuck with and suddenly they see their loved one in their mind's eye um, and they feel a sense of warmth they feel a sense of love and typically we end that session on a very good note and and i when it has happened i always find it so fascinating because i, I mean i'm not a medium you know that, that's not what i practice but it just feels so um magical you know to to have this experience to see your loved one in your mind's eye and then to experience that sense of warmth and love that you felt um being near or being with that person yeah so so that's so i i love that um and yeah it it, like i said it has happened a few times and it's always so fascinating and i just go with that you know I, i don't 
um, try to reframe it or try, you know, it's just, it's, we, you know, EMDR, it strengthens whatever it's coming up in the moment. So if, if someone's saying, I'm seeing this, or I'm feeling um, a sense of love, it's like, okay, well, let's, let's go with that, you know, and let's, let's work with that and let's reprocess it or process that. So I, I just, kind of go go along with it and then after after we close that emdr session we talk about it and you know i validate whatever it is that the the client um thinks of it you know i i don't try to input my what i think of it but i i you know i'm i'm a believer in the spiritual realm so when when i when i hear these experiences i i feel like that was their ancestor that was their their loved one from the other side, you know, showing up for them in this moment of difficulty of, of feeling stuck with a particular issue. But, um, but yeah, sometimes patients say that themselves and they believe that others are a little bit more, um, you know, they're not, not quite there and they just see it as a, as a wonderful thought or image to receive, but whatever it is, it helps, it helps, it helps them in that moment. Yeah. I love the thought of being able to access that remembrance or that feeling of being in the room with someone that has passed. It, I feel like it is one of the most healing things to experience, especially if you've recently lost them or if you've been missing them, you're going through something in life and there, you know, maybe the person on the other side was somebody that you would confide in, like to be able to capture a moment of being in the same room and feeling their presence is absolutely magical. And I mean, I'm, I am a true believer in ancestors coming and um, visiting as well, but I'm also kind of experimenting with and sitting with the idea of paradoxes because you mentioned earlier, there was probably a logical explanation for this happening. And yeah, there's probably is, but what, and what if we're imagining all of this? I don't think it matters. What if it's both and having both paradoxes and being able to, to kind of live in that world? Because for me personally, I'm very grounded in science. I'm very grounded in based, <laughs> evidence-based. That's just how I'm classically trained. And so I want to know every experiment that has been done before I get into energy work or whatever, right? And recently I'm trying to like, let that go and just feel that magic in the moment. And I love that you're able to experience that with your clients and that you're able to witness some of these transcendental experiences that they're having. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and like I said, when even this is a very specific situation that happens that I've experienced with EMDR, but sometimes it could, it could come up even in a, in a meditation, even just in a guided meditation, especially when it comes to doing inner child work, and we do this guided meditation, sometimes they see their their loved ones there, and it, you know, it, it, this sense of of otherness, of of something bigger, of spiritual of spirituality, of the universe, God, it manifests in so many different ways. But I, I think that. Um, well, as as my, my role as a, as a therapist, what I try is to allow them, allow my clients to make sense of that for themselves, and 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 most of the time, you know, whether they they think it was just their imagination navigating this this you know a meditation, um, that's okay. You know, it's like let's let's have create your creativity be an ally on your healing journey. And, and, and whatever your mind brings you, you're, you're ready to, to experience. So, so yeah, and so I think it's, it's more of a being in a place of just allowing what, what is showing up and just allowing it to be whatever it is that, that in that moment helps you to make sense of. Absolutely. I, one of the things that I've learned the hard way to do is just witnessing people and allowing everyone to be right and no one to be wrong, even if I have a different, a different opinion. Right. And it feels like there's a lot more grace and flow when I'm in that state versus trying to get in there and like insert what I believe or whatever opinion I have. So that's really beautiful. 
So I'm curious, some argue that trauma can lead to profound spiritual awakening while others view it as block to spiritual growth. What's your perspective on the intersection of trauma and spirituality? I, I don't think trauma necessarily is a block to spirituality. Um, what I think is that when we are very, uh, very st- I wouldn't well, stuck. It would be a word that I that I use. But when we have not worked through some of our traumas, um, it is it, not that it, you can still be spiritual. You can still go to church. Um, you can still do your meditations and do yoga. And it doesn't mean that you're working through your. Doesn't mean that your traumas have been addressed. It doesn't mean that you've healed certain wounds from the past. Um, I don't think it's one or the other. Um, there are folks that once what I've seen in my practice is that once they're able to to work through some of the difficult experiences from their past, um, their their yoga practice, for example, or they, even if they're Catholic, their 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 prayers take on a much deeper meaning. Um, so I definitely don't think it's they're separate. I just think that it may, as you heal, your own spirituality will take on a deeper or maybe just a more profound meaning in your life. And it can help. Um, and it can help you in a, in a much deeper way. Um, because what also happens, and I know you and I have talked about this, is um, the spiritual bypassing, mm-hmm. it, where in, instead of getting the help that I need for the sexual abuse that I experienced, um, I'll just, uh, you know, do mm-hmm. yoga retreats and 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 back to back, or go to um, Costa Rica and and do this deep um, ayahuasca experience and. And what happens is that folks tend to dysregulate sometimes um, even more, or sometimes things from their past, um, maybe even memories that they have suppressed tend to come to the surface. And so that's, you know, that's why it's, it's very important to, to be spiritual and be very mindful about your practices and, and not bypass your own emotional, psychological and physical healing. Oh, yes. I know so many people that just go from ceremony to ceremony to ceremony, never integrating, never journaling or just intaking what they just did or processing what just happened. Right. And I mean, that's, that's the essential like definition of trauma, like not processing an event that happened. And so it's time to really look in inward and, um, and it can even cause more spiritual growth and up-level people. Um, but you got, you got to stop and look at it. Right. Yeah, so, absolutely. I think it, it could be a, it's a powerful heal, but it has to be used, um, wisely and in conjunction with your own healing. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. So we just went through a journey by reading Women Who Glow in the Dark. We mentioned it earlier. What are a few things that resonated with you on the flip side? What did you learn about yourself through this incredible book? Yeah, you know, what was interesting, I I, I think you and I were talking about this earlier too, that my family is a lot more alike to other families than I thought. You know, I... I there was a sense of recognition in a lot of the words that that the author used and in the you know the 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 just the terms that she used to represent um situations and things that i went through you know for example she talked about empacho um she talked about susto which is a uh, ptsd espanto you know she she talked about um mal de aire and using um, an egg for Olympia and ritual. So there's a lot of elements that I was able to, in a way, um, acknowledge and remember, because I think growing up this, I would see these things as, well, that's, um, that's what my grandma used to do or that, or, and, and I had an awareness, but it wasn't until I read her book that I, I began to integrate some of these things um, that I began to recognize, well, uh, how does empacho really feel? Like, well, how do I feel when, when, if I have empacho, how would I feel? 
Um, so I think I started integrating more into my everyday experience and being open and to to having these conversations with my mom and, and realizing that as I, I was bringing up different things to her that I was learning from the book, she was like, oh yeah, this is what, you know, this is what that is for and this, and, you know, and, and I realized that she has, she knows a lot. She has a lot of knowledge and wisdom that was never, um, I guess I, I was never, never curious. I never asked, but through that book, I, that awareness has helped me to, to learn more about where my, my family, where I come from, my mom, her mom, what she learned from them, from her, her abuelita. So it's been, I, I just, I love that, that book for them. And I'm so grateful for bringing that awareness into my life. Yeah, I am super grateful for it. And I'm grateful for the book club that you formed with Maria, I think it's her name. And it it has really opened me up to a new community and new sources of books where I I looked at my um, library and was like, wow, I read a lot of books that are not from my culture. (laughs) And so having this resource has really opened it up for me as well. And I love hearing how it's affected you and how you're exploring more into your own background. And it's so incredible how all these things that have been taught for hundreds and hundreds of generations still somehow has reached us in this generation. And you're probably also going to continue to teach that because I mean, if you're using words like this around your children, right, they're going to get curious. So I think that's really right. Yeah, and, and being mindful about how I use these words and, and to, you know, growing up, I think I, I thought it was um, just like superstition. I don't think uh, the, the, there was an emphasis on, on, on these beliefs. It was more like, well, this is what happens, this is what we do. And, you know, I don't think there was a, an effort to pass it on. You yeah. know, as as healing as healing wisdom as medicine, yeah. it was more like, well, my grandma did this, and you know, that's that's what it was. But now I feel like that that there's that desire for me to to pass it on and and let it be known to to my daughter to my kids that it these are important, these are valid, these are these are legitimate ways that we can that we can um, heal. These are ways that we can call call our experiences and label our, our experience. And um, so I think giving it that importance is what I want to pass on. Mm, I love that. That's beautiful. So we were talking about dreams earlier, and I know that this is a favorite topic. Um, so I want to bring up my one of my favorite um, founding fathers of psychology, Carl Jung. Mm-hmm among other therapists, really um, deeply valued the role of dreams in psychotherapy. Do you find a spiritual dimension in dream work? And how do you integrate that with your clients? Um, you know what? One of the things with dreams, I I love talking about dreams just because one of the, when I was going through a very, and actually it's not just, a, a lot of times when I'm going through a process where I, I don't know what to do or, or which way, what decision to make. And it, when it's really, really affecting me, I've noticed that I tend to get, get answers in my dream. And one particular one that, that, that comes to mind, it was, this was like maybe 15 years ago. Um, it was whether or not to end a relationship. And I was sitting with that for a very long time. And then in my dream, the answer came and I woke up and I knew exactly what to do, and I felt peace with it. So ever since then, I've learned to really listen to my clients' dreams, and I encourage for them to find their their own meaning. I mean, there's there's clients that are not open to that, that are very open, but those that are open, I like to encourage an exploration of themes, to encourage, um, what I like to ask is, how did it feel to be in your dream and experience X, Y, and Z. How did you feel? You, you know, so in exploring those feelings in their dream, and then especially if it's relevant to an experience that they're navigating or a decision that they have to make. So I, I love talking about dreams. Um, and I, I personally have found a lot of wisdom in, in my dreams. And for the folks that are open, we, we go there, we explore it. And a lot of times there's, there's a, we can, there's a lot that we can get information. I like to say information from spirit. I feel like that's how we, 
that's how we communicate. That's how, for those of us that are not, well, I, I talk about myself, I'm not a medium. I'm not, you know, I don't consider myself a psychic in that sense. So for me, I, dreams, my dreams is, are what connects me to the other side, to the, the spirit world. And, and so I, I love talking about dreams yeah, with, my, with my clients. Yeah. I remember growing up, uh, my mom had a ton of dream books and I've always been a lucid dreamer. And I mean, my dreams are never, I've asked for them to come with grace and ease these days because they've never been like, it's always like some disaster or some nightmare that happens for me to like wake up and understand what's happening in my life. But I absolutely agree with you that dreams can be windows into solving some of the things that we're looking to solve or decisions that we're trying to make. Um, so that's, that's really amazing that you do that with your clients. No, you know, I've had, I've had some clients that describe their dream and it sounds like they're like, they, they're having like some type of hallucinogenic experience it's it, it it's they're so deep and rich and out of this world and then when I hear people that have done um, ayahuasca or some other type of, of um, plant and remedy they sound very similar yeah so yeah, yeah. It's interesting how your level of consciousness altered through plant medicine can put you into that dream state, right? Um, or wherever our, we go when we dream. <laughs> so uh, you have this incredible podcast. Can you tell my audience about the work that you do there and where they can find you? Yes. So I have a podcast. It's called Inner Healing Paths Podcast. And I, I interview folks from all walks of life. Jazzy, she's been a guest on my show. And basically, I like to talk with people that that help others heal from different modalities. So I've had um, physical therapists, people that talk about plant medicine. I've had Jazzy talking about Reiki. We talked about crystals. So basically, we, you know, here we just we have all types of conversations related to healing and because I believe firmly believe that path uh, the path to healing is sorry what I meant to say there's different different paths that lead to healing and it's not just one way it's not just through therapy it's through different modalities so I like to explore that and show folks you know that different ways that they can also heal sorry my daughter (laughs) she woke up and she's but yes um that is what the podcast is about and and yeah and 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 i just love having these conversations i love it yeah i love your podcast and the way that you celebrate women especially hispanics and latinas like it's really powerful so i encourage everybody to check it out thank Thank you you. everyone for sticking with us through the end i look forward to seeing you all next week Please uh, give us a like and a subscribe down below. Let us know what you thought about this topic and we'll see you next time. Thank you all.